Hey, I'm Sanjay. Welcome to Wisegrad. Episode number 26, Graduate Students Abroad, The Pros and Cons of Immigration. Let's go! Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Wisegrad. Thank you for clicking play and not clicking next. I'm your host, Saint Sanj, and I absolutely love it when you share this podcast with your friends and family. So right now, you know, take it easy. I'm not forcing you to, but maybe you should share this podcast with your friends and family, especially if they're students or prospective students. I'm sure there's one episode, at least one episode, that will help them. And this podcast has already helped over 3,000 students across the world. And it's growing. We're at episode number 26. And I wouldn't have, I mean, well, it was never in my mind to do a podcast initially, but I was motivated by some of the struggles I had as a student and how others helped me. And I said, why not just package this help in a podcast, a short bite-sized podcast where students can listen on the go whether they're going to work or driving riding their bike or walking or even cleaning their apartment you can have a listen to wisegrad on this episode we'll speak about the pros and cons of immigration we'll speak about issues that happened in the u.s and the uk during the whole coronavirus pandemic and we'll speak about issues that students and researchers in sweden are currently facing Let's go. So, one of the greatest things in life is traveling, moving abroad or visiting a new country. And if you know me, you know that I'm a big ambassador for studying abroad, literally. And I, I always say spread your wings and fly, enjoy life and see new perspectives, see what the world has to offer. Get the experience to live in a different country and understand a different culture, immerse yourself in the atmosphere. I absolutely love it. <laughs> and I'm doing that right now in Sweden and I, I did that in Japan and I do not regret one moment of it. Maybe the only regret I have is that I wish I could have done it earlier. I wish I had the experience in my bachelor's. Yeah, but such is life. I eventually got to experience it and I'm happy that I did. And I wish that every student gets to experience this as well. It's a truly life-changing experience. Speaking of life-changing, I asked a few colleagues, including Krima James, who is the chairperson of the Medical Students Association, the Doctoral Medical Students Association at Lund University. And this is what they had to say. So probably internationalization, so to say, meeting so many people from different corners of the world and their takes on science and getting to know their culture, which probably is not possible in India is uh, how my life has changed. I met so many new people, made so many friends uh, and, uh, obvious, and the obvious uh, increase in standard of life and social security. I think that is how my life has changed. So Krima did the bachelor's and master's back in India and it was the PhD experience that really had the impact of the international experience. 
For some students, the experience of having an exchange semester during their bachelors had a significant impact on their future. Well, I first got the opportunity to study abroad. During my bachelor's studies, I went on exchange to University of Gothenburg in Sweden. And from that opportunity, it's like my my horizons really broadened. I, I created a vision of wanting so much more than doing just a bachelor's degree in chemistry. It's actually through that experience of being able to study abroad, I actually convinced myself to pursue a PhD or to do postgraduate studies. So really that opportunity motivated me to want to study further and to essentially gain the highest academic qualification, which is a PhD. And it must be said that the entire experience really enhances your network. I have more independence as a researcher, or at least I have developed um, my skills to lead me to an independent state uh, while doing my PhD, uh, which I think in a lot of countries, um, whether maybe because the labs don't get funded as well or whatever, that was one thing that uh, I was given was independence in research and a lot of creative freedom. And I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg of what's beautiful and what's phenomenal when you choose to study abroad. But there is a but. There are some parts of living abroad and studying abroad that aren't so glamorous, aren't so glitter, aren't so nice. And let's call those the cons, the drawbacks, the downsides of living abroad. And I asked them what they think the cons are. That's these cons vary from person to person. And I'm sure in previous episodes, you've heard me speak about what I think my cons are or what the cons are uh, when it comes to moving abroad. But I wanted to hear from others today. So let's listen in. For me, I think the biggest disadvantage is that you you experience culture shock. And if you are the kind of person who can't readily adapt to change, it can really be an uphill battle for you. And so it can also be demotivating in, in terms of you actually gaining as much as you should from a new experience. My colleague went on further to explain that things that could be advantageous can also be disadvantageous. Because in the grand scheme of things, you're supposed to adapt to changes. But at the same time, if you really can't adapt at a rate which is, well, beneficial or sustainable to you, it can lead to loss of time, disruptions in mental health, stuff like that. So. It's all about finding the right balance. And if you've never really experienced studying abroad, then you're going to have a tough time finding that balance. And one of the things that students often find difficult to balance is engaging the new language, the language of the new country that they chose to study in. Maybe they don't have time to study it so hard and it becomes a big problem and a hindrance to them being social. Given that I am a very social person, the language barrier. Depending on which country you are, and if that country has a second language, and if you happen to be a social person, it is really 
really difficult to assimilate into the society so from my point of view i think that has been my biggest con with studying abroad because i feel like the rest can be learned uh, when it comes to probably skill development or your lab or whatever but when it comes to living in a society it's a different ball game Graduate students abroad are known to be resilient and overcome these issues no matter what and I guess collaborate with peers and have strong networks to support them during these periods. But what happens when there's a stressful situation that is out of their control? For example, visa changes or visa requirements or changes in migration laws. For many students, the interaction with migration law is probably just applying for the visa, applying on time, and making sure they have the right documents, and probably not being too sweaty in the photo. But who would ever think that after making it to a country to study, working hard, and even in some cases paying taxes and contributing to society, that they'd be questioning their residential status, and questioning their residential status while they're about to defend their thesis? A recent example of a stressful situation that affected students in the US was when the Trump administration announced an end of an exception that came into effect with the onset of social distancing measures due to the coronavirus pandemic. Now, Usually students from abroad are only issued a visa to study in the US if their classes are face to face. But because the pandemic changed things up, instruction, classroom instruction at least, was altogether suspended and students from abroad were at least allowed to complete their semester despite it being only online. But by the beginning of the fall semester, the US Immigration and Customs Enforcement ICE, announced that this would end, sending tens and thousands of international students into a stressful situation. And institutions like Harvard and I think MIT sued the federal government over this new policy. M. Craig Barnes, the president of the Princeton Theological Seminary said, To our international students, I want to assure you that the seminar will do everything within its power to ensure that you can continue your education here. You are cherished members of our community and you belong here. It's unfortunate that these statements have to be made and it's unfortunate that these situations occur. Similar statements have been made in the UK. And I have received a similar email in my university email a couple days ago. You see, Sweden has for a while promoted itself as the epicenter of higher education. Well, at least in Europe, it has attracted thousands of students from countries big and small. I mean, look at me. A man from a small town of about 30,000 people in Jamaica. I'm doing something that I never even thought of doing. A PhD in the Kingdom of Sweden. However, recent changes to the Sweden Aliens Act is having a negative effect on researchers and those who actually intend to study here. You see, in July 2014, an amendment was made to the Aliens Act to make it possible for foreign doctoral candidates who have had a residence permit for four years to apply for and obtain a permanent residence permit. However, a parliamentary decision in July 2021 has removed that possibility in practice. Now, to be granted a permanent residence permit, applicants need to have an employment contract lasting at least 18 months. And if you understand academia, you know that this sort of contract is almost unattainable for a young researcher. 
Robert Anderson, chief negotiator at the Swedish Agency for Government Employers, said that this new requirement will create major problems for members, as it can be very difficult to find employment that lasts at least 18 months during or directly after the completion of research studies or research, especially considering how common short, fixed-term contracts is within higher education. Since the employment duration criterion is to be tested at the time of decision, there will also be uncertainty as to whether the requirement is met, depending on how long it takes to process these documents. Robert goes on to say that there is therefore a danger that the new regulations will result in fewer foreign citizens wanting or being able to stay in Sweden and contribute to Swedish economy. If that happens, Sweden will lose important competence and the internationalization of higher education will be more difficult. Today, a large proportion of doctoral candidates and people with career development positions have a foreign background. He goes on to say that it is clear that the politicians' desire to tighten asylum immigration has been the focus, rather than how Sweden will be able to retain highly qualified people, for example, those who complete a doctorate in the country. I asked this week's guests for their thoughts on these changes and how it affects them and people around them. It, it's really been poorly conceived and I know Sweden prides itself in wanting to be equal in everything it does. But at the same time they have to accept that equality doesn't always mean equity and that's the, the ramification of this sorry that's one of the ramifications of this new change to the aliens act because you have a specialized group in the country doctoral students who are employed meaning they pay taxes and contribute to society but at the same time they are studying and also contributing to the research base of sweden which essentially means they are contributing to developing the society from a fundamental aspect right to the top i can so i can understand from a political point of view where this came from but they could have easily excluded doctoral students or researchers which form the brain of your country you invest in these students you invest in these researchers and now you suddenly are telling them oh we're sorry we cannot give you um a pr until unless you show us that you have a contract so our past hard work, our past taxes, they mean nothing to you. Everything is dependent on what's next, which is so unpredictable, which puts so many students under so much pressure. And it's quite an uncomfortable situation for individuals who migrate. You think about the long term, you think about what's next. How can this new place that I live in benefit me? And a part of the package with Sweden was a permanent residency at the end of the PhD studies. Now, there are some students who would have decided to do a PhD in Sweden because they realize that they have the opportunity to become a permanent resident of an EU country. And let's consider that they were already EU nationals. Well, they liked the idea of becoming a permanent resident in Sweden because maybe the field they're in or their interests are actually more viable in this region and there's nothing wrong with that but it's the deception that some students will feel now in that they undertook this study this this um, responsibility knowing that there was a guarantee 
of an opportunity to become a permanent resident and they really lost that overnight and there was no opportunity for discussion about the matter. Getting a job as a PhD is difficult. It is more difficult in Europe because a lot of countries have the second language. So having a PR sort of gives you a state of security, which I was looking for uh, after my PhD, because God knows that I cannot or I won't have the capacity to look for a job while I'm trying to defend my thesis or write my book. So PR was a short shot security blanket for me to take my time afterwards to look for a job without the company or in my future employer having to take the burden of paying for the visa like most countries have or to have me employed as an international student or like an international in your country and then aside from the the deception that current phd students will feel with knowing that they expected to become permanent residents it's also now going to become a deterrent in a sense for attracting new phd students into the country and i think um the powers that be related to the the, the migration act they should understand that a great deal of phd students in sweden are actually international students i think the numbers are around 40 percent it could actually be higher i'm not sure but the fact is this change in law really limits how competitive sweden can be as a nation in driving towards innovation and sustainability in research phd students in sweden they aren't just asking for awareness they want some action and action in a way that is beneficial to them the individuals who have been contributing significantly to research and innovation in the country and the same goes for students in many other countries the changes to these migration laws and aliens act and whatever it may be can significantly affect their mental health and their whole long-term plan so it's very important that uh, individuals, well, key stakeholders from presidents of universities and the politicians, of course, and the individuals involved in the process of interpreting these laws, really think about who are these individuals that may be affected by these changes and what will the effect be. Finally, I asked my guests their advice, their advice to the student who is ready to study abroad. I mean, considering all these issues that they may face. I would tell students, especially those planning to move to Sweden for any sort of studies, is to take a moment and consider how much this affects your life. Maybe probably you are one like me who does not really want to stay in Sweden but would like to have a job experience, more international job experience, so to say, probably somewhere else in Europe and PR helps you with that. So I think students need to take a step back and reconsider their options. So my advice for students who wish to study abroad, think carefully of the program that you want to pursue and also think carefully about the, the agreements 
of your 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 studies and your conditions for staying in the country especially if you are an international student or a non-eu student who is pursuing a course in the eu because certain countries lack certain privileges or the capacity to move within the eu without having a visa so these are things to consider and otherwise i'd say strive to find a program that suits your deepest interests so you can be happy doing it every single day thank you so much to my awesome guests for dropping some knowledge on this episode of WiseGrad and I hope that it was insightful for you, the student, the prospective student or the concerned individual, especially if you're concerned about what's happening to students all over the world and right now in Sweden. I hope these issues can be resolved soon and very soon, like right now hopefully. But thank you so much for clicking play and not clicking next. This is WiseGrad, helping students thrive. This podcast was made by a student and it was made for students to help students to thrive today, tomorrow, and hopefully forever. Right now, I want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode. And please scroll and find some more episodes and listen to them. Send me a message on Instagram, at St. Sanj, and tell me what you want to hear on WiseGrad. Thank you for clicking play and not clicking next. Until next time, goodbye. Wow, go on. I had to come back to just remind you that you can head to anchor.fm slash wisegrad to become a supporter. Wisegrad needs your support for new episodes and, you know, new fresh episodes, new content, new stuff on YouTube, everything. It's a lot to do and, yeah, I need your help. So head to anchor.fm slash wisegrad, W-I-S-E-G-R-A-D, and click support. Or send me an email at saintsanj at wisegrad.org and tell me that you really want to support this podcast. Any, any, any way you can support this podcast, I will be truly grateful. Until next time, <laughs> I'm running away. See ya.